Hey folks, it's Jay. Just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up before the episode starts that we had a little bit of technical difficulties recording this, so the quality isn't top-notch. Uh, but we thought it would be better to just release what we had instead of re-recording it, just because uh, this is a little bit more authentic than trying to uh, record it again. Uh, but anyway, we've got everything ironed out, so the next episode should be back to normal. Uh, again, apologize for the lower quality audio, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, thanks for listening, and here's the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick Ferry, and I am joined by my two buddies, April Wilkerson. Hey everyone. And Jay Bates. Hey folks. Uh, before I get too far along into it, I wanted to thank a couple people for contributing over on the website. Um, definitely helping uh, you know, pay for all the uh, hosting and all that good stuff that these podcasts uh, seem to build up costs real quick. But uh, Katie Brazil, uh, thank you so much. Tim Rawlings. Jacob Baker, Chris Mathis, Mathis, we're going to go with Mathis, and Kevin Miller. Thank you guys so very much. And uh, if you guys want to donate, there is uh, a ways to do that on, uh, let's see here, thewoodworkingpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep it all straight is, is, is definitely tough. I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, big thank um, you to everybody who contributed. That's really helpful, and we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, our, our secretary at large, or treasurer at large, Jay Bates, he said that we're almost breaking even. <laughs> yeah, that always helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, moving right along, I, uh, I kind of have to thumb my nose a little bit to Jay because my TV lift cabinet is done. Finally done. <laughs> Completely done. Like 100% done. Like done, done. Done, done. done. Stick a fork <laughs> in it, it is done. It is done, done. And uh, I think it turned out pretty nice. I don't know if you, if you guys caught the video on it. Oh, of course. Uh, as soon as it came out, I I almost thought it was an April Fool's joke. I was like, he's not. <laughs> sure enough, it was a whole build video. <laughs> well, make sure that we bring the April Fool's back up again because I, I got something to mention about that. But okay. um, yeah, no, it turned out really nice. Um, yeah, I was just super pleased with it. It's still in the shop. In fact, I'm, I'm building my next project on top of it right now, which <laughs> I, I So that'll be something else Jake can rib me on is, is making a proper assembly table. But um, no, I did, we're still debating whether we're going to keep it or um, possibly give it to a friend or sell it because I don't know. It, yeah. Yeah, that was my question, what you were going to do with it. If you did keep it, where would it go? Like a living room space or a bedroom space? Uh, yeah, I'd go in the living room. Uh, my my uh, six-year-old just said, you know, that would look really nice in my room with a Wii U attached to it. <laughs> what a boy. Hey, yeah. so what is the purpose of a TV lift cabinet? Like, what's, oh, I guess the question is, what what is the purpose of hiding the television? Is it just for protecting it or? I mean, I think it's just like a personal taste thing, but also mm -hmm. with with everybody having tablets and mobile devices now, a lot of times you had to turn on the TV, like 20 years ago, you had to turn on the TV to get news and uh, your entertainment. Now you're not, you know, you're reaching into your pocket for the weather or the news or whatever. So you don't necessarily need that prominent, you know, appliance, so to speak, out and about. And that way you can, you know, if you're having company over having a party, you can, you know, lower it or, you know, it just doesn't necessarily need to be out and about all the time anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we don't watch TV hardly at all. Maybe. Uh, once or twice a month we'll watch a movie. We don't have any cable subscription service or anything, but we've thought about actually making a TV lift cabinet so that way we could actually 
put some you know actual decoration on the wall behind it and make it look like you know that there's no TV there. And in the in the seldom chance that we do want to watch TV, it could come up and be seen, kind of thing. But yeah. I doubt we'll ever do anything like that. It's just an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that would be the major. And I mean that it's kind of just cool. It is I cool. Mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Press a button and a TV appears from nowhere. Yeah, yeah, so if that goes in your son's room, how many times in one day you think that TV is going to go up and then down and then up and then down? <laughs> if that it went be... in Nick's room, how often do you think that would happen? <laughs> <laughs> that would be that, that would be a nice test for the uh, the lift mechanism as far as how durable it is. Because yeah, that would be probably go up and down ten times in my kid's bedroom. So I could, but no, nah, no, we're we're fighting the uh, having TV in the kid's bedroom. That's just, uh, yeah. That's a topic for a whole nother day. But no, going back to what you said, April Fool's video, I had put out an April Fool's video and apparently nobody had realized it was an April Fool's video. And I thought it was really funny. It was like the top three woodworking tips and tricks. And I built it into the edit to where the video would buffer right when I divulged the secret to the trick. And people were just like, wow, like, oh man, you uploaded your video wrong or something. I thought it was funny. I saw it. I mean, we were in Atlanta at the time, but I I took time that morning to go and check it out. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And it it turns out I wasn't even actually able to respond to any of the comments because, yeah, that's right when right when Atlanta had started. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that'd be a good segue. We should talk about Atlanta. Definitely. I don't know about you guys, but I had a great time. It went by so quickly. I was thinking, man, I'm going to be in Atlanta for four days. And on the fourth day, I was like, no way. Has it really been? four days already it seemed like maybe one or two just went by very quickly yeah i remember the beginning of the show on friday i was like oh i still got two and a half more days of this stuff and then we're driving home it's like what happened yeah. yeah exactly yeah it was definitely a blast the atlanta um for those of you guys that have never been to a, a woodworking show this is put on by the woodworking shows and this is their atlanta show and a, a pretty substantially sized show lots of tool manufacturers there must have been how many booths total you guys think? Maybe maybe a hundred? Yeah, has to be. So I, I just you know, that's def- definitely fun. I you, I don't need much convincing to say, hey, okay, spend a three day weekend and talk to people about woodworking and you know, tools and stuff all weekend. Be like, all right, sign me up. Definitely. Well, and looking at especially I was watching, I think it was Steve Carmichael's wrap up video. And he had some shots of just how like crowded um, not only the show was, but uh, even our particular booth. And it's just, it's cool looking at it from the outside of the booth since we were inside the booth the entire time. So not only was the show cool, but the turnout was amazing. Yeah. And got to meet a ton of great people and a ton of talented people. Yeah. Well, my favorites were the ones who were able to come more than one day or hang out the entire three day show because then you can get familiar with their names and a little bit about their story where they would come to dinner with us. And I just, I just think that it, it, it was like on a high the entire weekend. It was just almost like a big rush. I'm already looking forward to the next one. Yeah. And I should mention too, uh, if you guys want to head over to uh, videowoodworkers.com, we actually have an auction going on uh, for five hand saws and then a poster all signed from all the booth participants from the show. And that, that helps uh, further shows. And uh, yeah, we're already planning the next one because that was the turnout was amazing. And um, also on Saturday night, we had a charity um uh, I guess we call it auction or raffle. I was, raffle. I was, I was getting on Laney for that one, um, but yeah, raffle and raised it right around a thousand dollars for uh, I believe it was Make a Wish. Mm-hmm. 
So that was really cool. A couple guys brought in some projects. Like we had like three or four cutting boards, and uh, Darista brought in his uh, action figure that and some uh, push sticks. And some push sticks. And and who ended up with that action figure? I got it. Jimmy's gonna be floating around my shop now. Oh, lucky dog. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, if you guys are interested, definitely videowoodworkers.com. Uh, as soon as we pick a show location for the next one, we'd love to see you out there because that was an absolute, an absolute blast. It really was. Definitely. Jay, did you uh, have a good time? Yeah, it was, it was, it was great at the show. There's, there was a, it was a nonstop conversation the entire weekend. And not only is it like incredibly humbling and, and just, just makes you feel good talking to so many people. Uh, but it was great feedback. It was, it was a great learning experience, um, getting firsthand feedback from the people of, uh, from the people who make all of this possible. You know, seeing what exactly they like and what they want to see more of. It was, it's just, uh, it, it was a great, great learning experience. A lot of, lot of valuable information. Mm-hmm. Well, on on both fronts, because like during the day, it would be nonstop talking with. Uh, people who are watching the videos or just stopping by because they're at the show and, and curi- curious on who we are. But then in the evening time after the show shut down, it's just us talking um, to the other video creators. Because even though there was only, what, Nick, like 17 of us in the booth? Yeah. I mean, there was probably, what, over 50, 40 YouTube yeah. creators there, video cr- content creators. And so during the day, it would be nonstop talking and then the evening time, same thing. And it was just seemed like from seven o'clock in the morning to like three o'clock in the morning of the following morning, it would just be nonstop. And one of the cool things, uh, because we, when we did the Kansas city show, we didn't really have anyone in Kansas city, but in the Atlanta show, we had Steve Carmichael that lives in Atlanta. So we were able to visit his shop a couple of times, which is awesome to be able to see his, vid- his videos in his shop, but then to be actually physically there and see the space. That was amazing. I mean, he, he does it out of like, like smaller than a one stall garage because he's got a two stall garage, but I would say a good two thirds of it. Well, let's see, about a third of it's taken up by his drum room. Anyways, it was just interesting to see how he does his woodworking in such a small space. Well, I guess let's get into what uh, we have going on this week. Nick, what are you working on now that that cabinet is done, done, done? Um, well, first off, I think I might just take a few pictures of it and just text it over to Jay just to, you know, for, for <laughs> to reiterate the point. <laughs> yeah. Just, but, uh, no, I'm working on that Harbor Freight, um, you know, plastic bin organizer. And, uh, just last night I was, um, trying to come up with a good way to label each of the organizers because that plastic that the organizer is made out of is kind of an oily plastic to where like a standard, like a Dymo labeler won't, the labels won't stick. So I was playing around with, um, you know, iron-on melamine edge banding and, uh, you know, I was putting that on paint sticks and then riveting the paint sticks to the handles. And so just kind of a light bulb went off and I'm like, why don't I just try and iron on the edge banding onto the handle itself? And that actually worked out really, really well. And the reason I wanted to do that was because on the white, you know, edge banding, you can take a permanent marker and it's permanent. Or if you need to change the contents or what it's labeled, little bit of alcohol wipe off the permanent marker and then just rewrite whatever you need to do i think it's smart i saw your instagram post with them all lined up with the white ironed on it looks great awesome yeah thank you i i'm I'm pretty particular especially shop projects because you know we spend so much time out in the shop that uh, I, i like things looking a certain way i guess i'm a little bit ocd that way what do you got working on uh april um let's see 
I am working on a coffee table for my living room right now. I have a, a lot of blankets. And so I, I want to build a coffee table to store them in. So one with like an opening hinge top. So I got the, the body built and all the trim uh, edge band. So I just need to finish the assembly and put a finish on it. And that'll probably be this week's video. It's a blanket chest coffee table. There you go. Blanket chest coffee table. I'll probably store miscellaneous other things in there as well. But because it's kind of big. It's one of those things to where I'm thinking to myself and while it's in my shop, I'm thinking, man, this might be too big. So I'm, I'm, but yeah, you're shaking your head. No, I'm thinking that once I move it in, because what I do is I actually like laid out a piece of cardboard, the exact size of it in my living room and in my living room, I'm thinking, well, maybe this is too small, but then I got it out and I built the body and I'm thinking, well, now it looks really big. So I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. As far as like the decor in the room, it may be too big, but as far as the storage space, it'll never be too big. We've got uh, three blanket chests here in this house and- mm -hmm. The largest one in our living room is like slap full of blankets. I had no clue we had this many blankets and, and you know, <laughs> quilts from grandmothers and stuff like that. And yeah, my wife's got every single one of them packed full. So you'll hmm. you'll uh, you'll fill the storage up before you know it. In April, you were working on different hardware options or like a lid stay for that. Did you ever get that figured out? Well, I, I bought torsion hinges for it just because I like the feature of them not slamming shut and the torsion hinge will allow the lid to stay open in whatever position you, you leave it in. But I was talking to Jay yesterday about it po possibly running into the molding. So I'm going to, I'm such a, like a visual person. I can't, even though I have like a 3d model of it, the only way that I can like visualize it and actually see if it's going to work and how I'm going to work around it. If it's not is to do like a, a small little mock-up of it in my shop. So I'm actually going to do that probably after the podcast is uh, get a coat of finish on it and then, start playing around with the mock-up of the uh, the hinges. Yeah, and you mentioned the cardboard to kind of indicate the footprint and then bring the cardboard in the house. That's a really good idea. I know uh, John Peters with uh, John Peters Art and Home, he actually did a like a three-dimensional mock-up of, of one of the things that he was working on before he built it. That mm -hmm. way he could just slice off a little bit of the cardboard and that way you really get a good representation of how that uh, you know piece of furniture is going to fit the space. Yeah, the only bad thing that I found with the cardboard, because I did that originally just for the footprint. And the footprint, I thought it was great. I started off, I think, at 50 inches long. And um, I thought it I thought it looked great. So I took it out to the shop. But then once I actually cut the box, then I was thinking to myself, man, this is a huge box. And regardless of if I think the, the footprint is good or not, it's still going to be a big box in my living room. So I went ahead and cut off some of the height and also some of the length and width. Um, and then, but I did that. And then I moved it in my or the the cardboard footprint back into the living room so i'm hoping that once i actually get the box completed and moved in that it fits the space after all that trial run <laughs> yeah that wouldn't be any it wouldn't be any good if uh yeah if it didn't fit or even even if it fits technically and you're like mm, that's just a little bit too big or whatever and it, you're like and then you want to get rid of it and or I just want to like cut it, cut it up, like maybe run it through my table saw on all four sides to, I don't know, we'll, we'll play it by ear. Back a while ago, you had a project that you wanted to either blow up or light on fire. I remember I did. that. I set it on fire, Nick. I smashed it to bits with my sledgehammer and then I set it on fire. <laughs> nice. Goodness, what was nice. that? Oh, it was a, a backstory. The company that I worked for, I ended up like, they were throwing away this piece of glass with the logo on it. And so I recycled it and made it into a waterfall. Yes, and, like, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. 
at the time, that was like a huge project for me. I didn't have any sort of like, like it was difficult for me to do that. And I spent a lot of time and effort on it, not only money as well. Anyways, and they, they wouldn't even look at it to see if they wanted it or anything. And so I was like, fine. And that's how I smashed it up and then just set it on fire. <laughs> Did you get any video of that? I didn't. I was... Oh. I was. <laughs> I had profanities running as well. I, I took. I took a lot of aggression out on that thing, so did it's you, best you not to be the, recorded. Did you send all the pieces to him? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, fine, whatever. If you don't want it, but then it just hung out in my shop for months at a time, and then finally, I was like, I, it was. I think I was having a bad day in the shop anyway, so I was like, I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Jay. What are you? What are you working on? I know uh, you had a visitor in your shop not too long ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm today is like the well yesterday uh, was was Sunday we're recording this on a Monday but uh, yesterday and today are the first two days of just kind of like decompressing after the Atlanta trip so before the Atlanta trip I was really busting my butt trying to get the um, dining table project released uh, I got the dining table 100% completed pictures of it are on my Instagram page I got the video edited I did not get enough time to uh, uh, get the uh, article and plans done so it, it kind of went on the back burner but immediately after that was the Atlanta trip which was just non-stop controlled chaos got back here and uh, Matt Lane from Lane Brothers Woodshop he is uh, he is about I think he said like two hours south of Nashville in Tennessee just above the the Alabama border and he came over uh, directly from Atlanta and stayed uh, up until Friday evening or so and you know anytime you have a collaboration like that like when Nick was here uh, back in January it's just go 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 try and get as much done as possible so we were rocking and rolling all last week we've got uh, I think we got four more videos from his trip still to edit so I'm ahead on, pro on, on actually uh, projects that are recorded I just need to get my butt rolling on editing, which is the most boring part of it. Yeah, but that's a great position to be in. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's nice to be ahead, um, but it's also nice to just oh, relax for a day. And not do anything? Yeah, you yeah. need to take that. So it was, it's like the past two weeks have been really, really crazy, which from a viewer standpoint, it kind of looks like, well, this guy's not doing anything, you know, but there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So this past weekend, well, actually this past weekend was the first video of Matt's trip, the HVLP spraying video. And hopefully that gives a lot of people a little bit of encouragement to, you know, get a cheap sprayer and, and play around with it. And you'll, you'll get a really good results with it. Uh, spraying is just one of those things that, man, it's, it's so hard to go back to brushing a finish after you've gotten the hang of spraying. It's so easy and convenient. And then the video before that was um, not a project once again. It was a giveaway. I'm doing a giveaway on my website for a low-angle jack plane all of this month. So if you want a chance to win a free low-angle jack plane, check out my website. There's a link in the sidebar. And then before that was a workbench upgrade video. So it's been like three weeks now without an actual project. I've had videos released, but not an actual project. So on the outside, it kind of looks like I'm not really doing anything, but I'm just... Oh, getting ahead with all this other stuff and, and then the whole scheduling thing. So it's just been absolutely controlled chaos, like I said. Yeah, that, it's a go, go, go. That low angle jack plane, I thought that was really cool for you to do a giveaway because when I was at your house, 
and you were using that, you had a nonstop ear to ear grin, like, man, I love this thing. And yeah. you're like, ah, I got, I got to go find some wood to plane down, you know? Yeah. It's crazy when you get a well-tuned plane that, you know, you just, you just plane crap for no reason whatsoever. You just like fill up a trash can full of shavings. I do yep. anyway. It's just, I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah. And I had, I had that listed to talk about too, where, um, and I, I forget when I jotted that down, but, uh, fight your skill set and not your tools. And I guess what I meant by that is, um, at least me for a woodworker, I like to try things that I've, you know, techniques or, you know, things that I've never tried before. But, um, sometimes I hear from people going, Hey, I can't get, you know, such and such a result. And you, and you start talking about their tools and it's like, Oh, well, it's either not sharp or it's a, it's a real inexpensive, pretty much a crappy tool. And I, and I always try to say to people, like, if it's in your budget, try and get a quality tool so that you're, it's so that it's you learning new skills. You're not fighting the tool. Yeah, Frank Howarth uh, at the show, at the Atlanta show, I was talking about possibly getting into a lathe. And I said, I, I think I want to just order one to see if I'll even like oh. it and just test it out. And he says, the the best advice I can give you is to is to find somebody in the local area with a high quality lathe. Because a lot of people start off doing that with a lathe and it doesn't like it, it's so difficult because it's just you're fighting the tool and the, the quality of it. And you think, well, I hate this and this isn't fun at all. But it's really if you were on a good quality one that worked the way it should, then you would maybe enjoy it. So I thought that was pretty good advice. And it kind of is in line with what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely good advice because like Sterling Davis, uh, he's got a YouTube channel as well. Um, he is a big scroll saw guy and he's had for a number of years now, the Harbor freight scroll saw, and he's, he's made good use of it and made some really cool stuff, but he just recently got a DeWalt 788 and he was just you know, Instagramming left and right about it. He goes, man, this thing is a dream. It doesn't vibrate off my bench like the other one. And it's, it's so smooth. And he goes, it's 10 times more quiet. And that's exactly it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from getting into the hobby by having, you know, like, oh, you got to buy the most expensive tools. But don't get discouraged if you buy a cheap tool and you're like, man, this is no fun. Well, you know, try and find somebody, you know, that has that. And so that you're not, you're not, you know, throwing away a craft, whether it's scroll sawing or lathe work, because you think you don't like the craft, but it turns out you just don't like the crappy tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of lathes. Um, a really, really awesome dude by the name of Kevin Miller. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. He hooked me up with a, um, it's a jet. I think it's a 1014 VS model number. It's a, uh, variable speed mini lathe with bed extension and like a five gallon bucket full of, uh, turning tools and a couple chucks and just, just absolutely blew my mind. And, um, so I, I got it back to the shop. He, 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 uh, gave me that at the. Atlanta show got it back to the shop built a cart uh, with it for it with Matt excuse me and man I've been just chucking up all kinds of wood and just making shavings no apparent reason whatsoever just making shavings it is just it's a rabbit hole it is so much fun that's awesome the more I hear that the more I just want to get into it I've been wa watching uh, of course a lot of Frank and Kyle Toth and um, yeah I just think I wanted uh, I I at least want to give it a try. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I said that in a, what, a podcast or two ago about learning how to weld and just laying down beads and beads of weld that not actually join anything. Same thing with, with what Jay did. He's like, I'm not making anything. I just want to make shavings, you know? 
you know, you know, work on the technique, work on the, uh, the the tools and the angle and the tool rest and the distance and all that. You're not actually making a project, but you're getting experience on that tool. Yeah, and you know, I don't know the names of all the tools just yet. It's it's all new to me. And I tell you what, I've been watching a lot of um, of uh, Carl Jacobson and who is it? There's another channel, The Naked Woodturner, and then also um, Cap Netty. Uh, yep, Eddie can steal. Yep, a couple of really awesome uh, YouTube channels for wood turning. And sorry if my voice sounds like crap. I think I got a cold and I'm chewing on a cough drop here. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a rabbit hole. It is so much fun. Well, I'm happy yeah. for you. Now it's just a matter of dust col- dust collection and uh, finding room for it in your shop, huh? Well, I've got it in my shop. Uh, we built the stand and put it underneath the dartboard cabinet. And then I, you know, turned a whole spindle and, and made a mound of shavings right there and quickly realized that all the power tools that make shavings need to be closer to the dust collection. So I slid my plywood cart to the opposite side of the shop um, where the dartboard cabinet is and then put the lathe stand right next to the dust collector. And I, I don't know if I'm going to pursue actually trying to make some type of shroud or dust collection system for it. Uh, but the main objective when I made the stand was to make it super easy to roll around. That way, on a nice sunny day, I can just roll it out in the driveway and have a blast, you know? So weather a late, a late, I was just going to say, a lathe is, is on my list of, of things. I, I should have had one by now, but, uh, you know, the Atlanta show kind of took a, took a bit of my lathe budget. But uh, I was hoping to have a lathe by, uh, like, July, you know, in case I have people over or something they could you know, get on the lathe. Have people oh, yeah. over, you say. What, what what type of people are who are you, yeah. who are you thinking about there? Ooh, oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it sounds like uh, you guys are going to come visit in July, right? Yeah, maybe. I can make that work. Probably. There you go. That, sh- <laughs> that, that should be fun. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm surprised I held out this long before saying something. <laughs> yeah, so we are definitely, Jay and I are planning a trip to go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We got to say it properly, Jay. No southern accents up in the north. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go visit visit Nick and his shop. His poor wife is gonna have to deal with us for I don't know a week or two. I think it's gonna be a treat. I mean, she's had to deal with me for like fifteen years. So, <laughs> well, if she can put up with you. Then she's she's definitely right with us. Yeah, yeah I get along I, with her great. So. Maybe, maybe go. it'll be a good, good, good time. And while we're up there, um, Nick mentioned uh, wanting to do some type of uh, meetup or something like that. So if you're relatively local in the area, we will have uh, further information as it uh, as it unfolds. Yeah, definitely. I would keep watch on. Um, you can listen to the podcast, but also you can follow us on any of the social medias, the Instagrams. We'll probably be posting more about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean. It- there's a, a few woodworkers in Green Bay, but I know I've already gotten a few emails from people in the surrounding area like Oshkosh, Appleton, Fond du Lac, and uh, those are all pretty close towns. So we'll we'll for sure do uh, a meetup or like a dinner type thing. I'm sure we can find a venue that'll be that'll be fun, and you guys can you guys can have some Wisconsin cheese. Me and cheese goes way back. You'll <laughs> <laughs> have to have some like 18 year old aged cheddar. It's like sharp cheddar. Oh my god, that's good. Jumping back into the lathe topic really quick, not only does it make a lot of shavings, but it makes a ton of dust, like an absolute ton of dust. So I've been running my dust collector with a port op- with all the ports open and one of the hoses close as I can to the machine. 
um, just because it does have a canister filter and it does collection. But I do want to either uh, eventually make an air filter unit or if there's a tempting price to just buy a plug and play unit, I, I might go that route. And I think you just you just got some today, right, April? I did. I saw your Instagram, $100 from Grizzly. I thought that was a pretty good good deal. I'm with you. I was thinking about making one. I just watched uh, Matias's video about what he just did. And uh, I know that you got those blower motors. So I was going to watch yours to see how you developed it. But for 100 bucks, plug and play and not have to worry about it, that was calling my name. So I actually ordered two for the size of my shop. Had I known about that, I probably would have jumped on it too. But I, that's one of my projects I want to make this year for the shop is just an ambient air filtration. Uh, I mean, apparently it does a, a really great, good job, right? Yeah, I mean, in in all, you know, in a perfect world, you're going to want to try and capture the dust at the tool at the cutting action. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're always going to get that ambient, uh, you know, in the air. And so if you can filter, you know, the, the ambient air, well, you know, why not? Mm -hmm. So isn't there a rule that you're not supposed to place it like right above your main tool, like not above the table saw or the miter saw, wherever you're, whatever you're using? Uh, there's certain placement uh, scenarios that allow for better circulation. Um, okay. I'm not exactly sure of the do's and don'ts, but I know there are some diagrams of like specific layouts that are more beneficial. Um, oh, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Uh, it might be on Grizzly's website, but I, I saw a couple diagrams. Mm -hmm. um, I'll I'll find a link and uh, we'll put it in the show notes for this. Yeah, that would be helpful. I mean, even, I don't know, I guess I would play around with like 45 degrees to one of the walls if you're in a, in a rectangular shop or a square shop. Mm -hmm. That way you're, you're creating at least circulation to where the intake isn't just on one end and then the exhaust on the other. It's more or less um, wanting to bounce off one wall to the next so that there's more airflow. I gotcha. Yeah. And how, how often do people clean their filters for these units? When the filters get dirty. Yeah, I was going to say I it's, mean, it <laughs> it's just one of those things when it's dirty, you, you take them out, take them outside, and then blow them out. Okay. I mean, because I, I put a furnace filter over my uh, window unit, and I have to do that every day I get into the shop. So I just didn't know if this was going to be some of the same thing. If you're blowing out th that little furnace filter in front of your air conditioner every single day, you are going to love the effectiveness of having two of these air cleaners on top of your or up on your ceiling. Cool. I can't wait. Well, and now last summer I didn't have my dust collector installed, the Harbor Freight one or that dust right unit. So this will be the first summer with that furnace filter over the AC unit that I'm actually running the DC. So I'm anxious to see the difference between that and then also having these two on the ceiling. You should notice a lot less um, just dust collecting on horizontal surfaces throughout your shop too. You know, as dust settles, you should notice a lot less of that too. Mm -hmm. I'm already noticing less of that. So yeah, comparing it even further with these two should be good. I, I, I had a friend that uh, worked for Fabco Caterpillar. He was, I don't know, a VP there or something. And this is years ago, I think about 10 years old is when he was describing this scenario. And I think it's, I, it's perfect for this, what we're talking about. But um, he was talking about his air filters in their spray booth for these big, huge bulldozers and stuff. And they, how expensive the filters are. But he said, also keep in mind that a dirty filter actually is a better filter than a clean filter. And he described it like a chain link fence. And he goes, if you have a chain link fence, um, you know, squirrels and birds can fly through that fence. But, you know, dogs and cats will get caught. Eventually enough dogs and cats get caught, then the bird can't get through, but the air still can. So, you know, with some of the larger particulate, 
Jay's chuckling at my story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it's it's one of those things to where it's kind of a I wouldn't I don't know if it's necessarily an exponential growth, but it, it until it's clogged, it's at it's at its peak um, you know, filtering capacity. I've but never as soon as it's clogged, yeah. I've never seen a fence clogged full of dogs and cats. <laughs> I was ten. He was trying to explain it to a ten year. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it makes sense because they had a manometer, you know, in their spray booth, which, if you're not familiar, is just an airflow meter, um, you know, basically atmospheric pressure versus the amount of pressure you're putting into it. But that's how they would know when they're clogged beyond airflow, and then that's when they would change them. But if they look dirty, chances are people don't immediately change them, or there might be multi-level filtering. Like you might have a cheap filter on, you know, say the outside, and that gets the the biggest particles. And that you can change out often, but maybe maybe three filters in, you actually have a HEPA, you know, like a high or is it a high efficiency particulate air filter. So very cool. Y'all want to hop into some questions here? Sure. Sure. Um, Tom Moore says. Um, uh, I like to listen to the podcast at work. Most of the time, there isn't any Wi-Fi. Can you make it possible to download a MP3? Thanks. Absolutely. I don't know why I did not select that little option. Um, of the three of us, I'm the one who does the audio editing and uploading. And I don't know why I did not make the previous episodes available for download on SoundCloud, but they are now. So if you go to soundcloud.com uh, and I think it's soundcloud.com slash the woodworking podcast. Maybe. Um, if not, if you search The Woodworking Podcast on SoundCloud.com, you'll find the, all of our episodes, and all of them are currently available for you to download at your convenience. Apologize for not doing that sooner. You're awesome for correcting it, Jay. Yeah, I didn't even know if it was downloadable. Me neither. <laughs> April, you want to take the uh, next question? Sure. We got one from Andy Lynch. He actually has two questions, so let's start with the first. Uh, do you have a specific price point in mind per item you make? I've noticed that even simple shop projects seem to be using very nice plywood or hardwood. What do you consider when selecting materials for projects? I can I can start into that one because I'm probably the most OCD when it comes to like shop projects, shop furniture materials. But um, I've never done woodworking at a production level, like on an assembly line at a large cabinet shop. So my shop is kind of my sanctuary. I mean, I've done the arts and crafts, um, like show circuits and stuff and sold my wares that way, but I'm in my shop a ton. And I like, if it's a fixture, a jig that I'm gonna use a lot, I'm gonna use Baltic birch. And I want the handles to look nice when you could essentially just, you know, screw a piece of rope to the front of it. You know, I just want it looking a particular way. So typically if it's gonna be a permanent shop fixture, I make it look nice. Uh, if it's a quick jig that I know I'm probably only gonna use once, then scrap is completely fine, but you know, table saw, sled, Baltic birch for me. It totally depends on the project and its final use for like stuff in the house, uh, depending on how, it, it's all relative to how nice you want to make it look. If you want it to make it, if you want to make a piece of furniture look really nice, then use really nice materials. Um, but as far as shop projects, I'm gonna go, I always go with the least expensive routes to have decent results. I'm not going to go with the bottom of the line uh, crap materials if possible because most of the time, and I'm speaking primarily of like cheap CDX pine plywood, um, most of the time like cheap pine plywood just, it's just a nightmare and just aggravating, so aggravating in my experience. 
So I'm not going to step up to say like Baltic Birch. I've never used Baltic Birch. I've had great results with just um, um, regular birch plywood with a couple hardwood plies in the middle. Uh, nothing crazy like Baltic Birch, but I'm not on the bottom end of the totem pole and I'm not on the top end of the totem pole for shop projects. Yeah, as far as having a specific price point in mind, I never... I never do like if I want something for my home, I just set out to build it and I evaluate my materials. One first thing that I do is see what I have on hand and especially for shop projects, definitely I, I look to my scraps first and I use a lot of construction grade plywood for my shop projects. If I, um, I found like three sheets of high end red oak plywood on uh, the coal wood rack because some of the veneer was messed up. So it's typically like a $60 sheet of plywood that I found for, I think, 15 or $13. So like my miter saw stand is made out of that just because I had it cheaply. But if I was making it from scrap or without that good price, then I would have made it probably out of construction grade plywood. If it's something for the home, I try to use cabinet grade plywood. Um, I don't believe it's Baltic birch, but you know, it's somewhere around 30 to $35 a sheet of plywood. But yeah, whenever I have a project in mind, I just say, okay, this is what I want. And then I, then I make it the exact way that I want to keep it. So if it's like a dining room table, I imagine that that's probably going to be pricey because I want a hardwood top on it. I have no idea what that number is going to be, but I'm going to make it the exact way that I'm going to want the table to be because I know it's going to be my home for a long time. Yeah, and you hate to get a, a large project like that done and then realize, oh, well, I'm not entirely happy, but I saved $30 on the wood, you know. You just, just if it's going to be a nice project like that, just try and save up for the, the, the materials that you know you're going to like. Or you know, Andy had another question. Um, yeah, about the viral it. post. He says, do any of you have a video that's gone viral? What would you consider this threshold to be? And would you ever build a project to specifically have this effect? I have never had the aim of going viral with anything. I just build what I want to build and, and make it as, as entertaining as possible. And um, it is what it is. If it's viral, it's viral. It's never happened. And if it's not viral, then that's fine too. Um, just make sure I'm. I just make sure that I'm, hopefully, being, making something interesting to my core audience. And if and if it happens to go viral, then yeah, that's cool. That's a tough thing because I don't think there is no there is no formula for viral videos. If if that was the case, everybody would have them. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I never. I've never aimed for viralness. I, I, I actually think that the viral, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, if it's actually productive in the type of like audience that we have. Like I have found in growing my channel that it's way more um, productive in the long run to have organic growth and not like the publicity stunt thing. Because then when people, especially, I don't know if it's because I'm a, I'm a female, but if people find my channel just because it's being blasted all over Facebook, they're much quicker to leave, uh, get back in the kitchen or go do my laundry or that's, you know what I mean? Or just some sort of like stupid comment. Yeah. But if somebody seeks out my video and finds it because they're actually looking to, to build something and I'm able to provide them a tutorial, then it's almost like I'm able to, I have a quick second to earn their respect and they're very much less likely to leave me a dumb sexist comment. So especially in, in my, in my uh, channel, like my approach to my channel, I don't aim for any viral or publicity-ness. I just let it grow organically. But I, I really wonder if if the viral thing, if it's just kind of like a one hit and people subscribe, but did they actually continue watching, you know? 
No. I think we would make we make a good pair then. If, if you're going to get uh, nasty comments saying get back in the kitchen, I get nasty comments saying get back in the dining room. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that has to do with me being a man or if it's just uh, um, my uh, heavy set nature. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Viral is kind of interpretive. Uh, I would say my table saw sled video, in my opinion, in my channel size, had went viral. It's like 350,000 views, and so that was crazy. I never expected that, but I'm, I'm probably just you know seconding what Jay said. But I'm just trying to build what what I want to build. I, my my problem more lies that I have like ADD when it comes to woodworking projects, and that's not necessarily conducive with trying to put out videos because. I, I already started like four projects yesterday and I bounced around and it's like nothing really got accomplished, but I'm like, Ooh, this is a cool idea. Oh, Hey, I'll do this. Oh, let me go paint this over here. Ooh, something shiny, you know? Sandwich. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sandwich. <laughs> See, right away, right away. The fat guy. comes. Uh, yep. Okay. I, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> Sandwich. <laughs> That's kind of an insight. We were talking about that earlier. The, the pronunciation of sandwich versus sandwich. Sandwich. My brother pronounces it sandwich. Uh, yeah. Just to be funny, of course. But yeah, the viral thing, I, I, I can't help but wonder how well it works or if it actually works against you in the long run. Because having a lot of subscribers or even a lot of views on, on a video is cool. But I would much rather, if I had a choice of having a lot of views on one video versus a good size of, of views on all of my videos, I would go with that option. So... I don't know. I don't. I don't aim for viral, and I. I. I I'm really curious about the long-term effect on that it has for for different channels. I don't know. I guess I'm in a good spot to make videos right now because I'm I'm making a lot of shop furniture, and people always seem to like that. But I just need to get organized. That's the whole point behind that Harbor Freight organizer. I want to have like a mini hardware store. Because well, you I do. Just, you, you you have uh, two guys coming to uh, that have pretty clean, organized shops. So <laughs> maybe we well, can I help you out with that. I can't. I can't let it be a mess when you guys get here. <laughs> I'm gonna have to be working extra hard to make sure that it's nice and clean that we can all fit in there. Because right now it's like I look like I'm doing a, a floor routine in the, the Olympics, trying to get around some of my stuff. <laughs> You're doing the mamba. <laughs> I even got the little uh, thing with the ribbon on the end. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I've had neighbors you know, like, "Hey, can you cut a board for me?" I open the garage door and they're like. How do you even get in here? <laughs> but yeah, that, that hopefully that'll change because I need to be more productive. So, well, moving along, uh, Jay had already mentioned this a little bit, but uh, you got a giveaway going. Jay, you want to explain more about that? Give all the specifics. Yeah, it's uh, I'm doing a giveaway for the entire month of April. It is a number sixty-two low-angle jack plane made by Wood River, and it comes with the uh, low-angle low-angle bevel plane man low angle blade in it i'm just butchering this and then i'm also including the uh, second blade which if you're not familiar with a low angle jack plane the bed is at a lower angle so that uh, and the bevel is up so that you can have different blades ground to different angles to perform for different tasks so the lower the blade angle the better it performs typically at end grain work the higher the angle Typically, the better it performs at more figured work or uh, stuff that changes grain direction and all that stuff. So I've had mine since uh, December. It was a Christmas gift to myself, and I just absolutely love it. It's a really, really good plane. It's a great value, 
and I want to give one away to somebody else. So enter on my website. There's a couple different ways you can enter. Uh, any page on my website you'll see in the sidebar, there's a link to the giveaway page. Go ahead and enter, and then I will randomly select a winner at the end of this month. Actually, I won't randomly select one. The uh, service that I go through randomly selects one, so it's, it's a fair way to have a chance to win. And then also, uh, Tim Babb from, the, uh, from woodworkingmaniac.com has a giveaway for a uh, WorkSharp WS3000 uh, sharpening station. And you can enter that at woodworkingmaniac.com slash giveaway. Does that uh, low angle jack plane, is that an adjustable frog basically on that? Because I know Veritas has a couple like that, but... No, there is no, there is no uh, frog adjustment. It's just a ground bed and the the, uh, the blade just uh, is secured to it. But the, okay. the, the toe can slide in and out. Is that what it's called? The front of the plane? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going blank here. But anyway, the, the the mouth can be closed in from the front, and um, so there, there's no ne there's no need for a frog angle changing. And with all that said, that's all we have for you guys today. So we just want to remind you that there's a couple ways that you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. You can go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com, and at the top you'll find a few clickable buttons to subscribe via Android, RSS, or on iTunes. And if you are on iTunes, we would appreciate if you could uh, drop us a little review. And for those who already have, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. And once again, thank you to all of those who have contributed uh, names we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Thank you very much. It really does make a uh, does really does make this possible for us to do. So until we speak to you guys next time, you guys take care and have fun out in your shops. Bye, everyone. See you guys later. I think it's time for a sandwich. <laughs> Make me a sandwich while you're at it. There you go. <laughs> time for a sandwich. And some Cheez-Its. <laughs>